This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Today's show will feature Mary Meyer, a lifetime volunteer and a real super life hero, one I am proud to call a sister. Mary Meyer, are you there, Mary? Aloha, kakahiaka, and thank you for having me today. What a great opening by you. You are a, uh, I would call you almost a multicultural person. <laughs> well, that's true, Steve. <laughs> I know. Will you share with us some of the unselfish acts that keep you going and why today? Uh, actually, it's my whole life story is what can I do to make our world better? And I'd like to start out with just making a little quote here from, or a paraphrase from Thomas Paine, who said, The world is my country, all humankind my brethren, and to do good is my religion. And I just think that uh, it makes my life so much more pleasant, and probably anyone else I come in contact to, that we can be of service and be helpful and be... uh, joyfully share all of our gifts, which we all have many of, even if we think we don't, we do. I know you personally, I've, I've worked shoulder to shoulder with you on a number of occasions. And, uh, you know, I think that it's safe to say that most of the volunteers that we uh, have associated with feel just like you do. Oh, I'm absolutely sure they do. I mean, it's just an honor to be able to do something. I mean, People have limitations physically, which I have myself, but I still feel that I have a lot of gifts and uh, opportunities to share them. As, as, again, back to we all have opportunities to share our gifts, and we might think, oh, they're not that much, but if I just like to use this example, if everyone I knew sent me $5, I would have enough to pay the rent. And I think that sometimes people think, well, they can't do enough, Everything is enough. Anything is enough. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more fully. I think, you know, one of the the key words in volunteerism is connection. And most, most volunteers are more than willing to connect, and in particular when it comes to the homeless population. Oh, yeah. I definitely feel that, you know, for myself having an experience with that, I think that even when I was homeless, I could still go work at the food bank. I, I wasn't living in Oregon then, and I haven't lived in Oregon all that long, but I had, a, you know, from my past experience, I could still work at the food bank as, you know, a pauper and uh, serve other people. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And I know just a little bit about your history, and I know that you spent uh, a certain amount of time in Hawaii, and I did too. And I think uh, the the Native Hawaiian culture is very helpful, very caring, very outgoing. Was that your experience? Well, I lived there for decades, and um, there's such a difference between being a tourist in Hawaii and being a resident of Hawaii for decades. Basically, all humankind has a generous heart. I think that it doesn't matter where you live that you will find that. Uh, You know, it's a much more lackadaisical culture there. So, you know, you don't have to wear snow boots or shovel the neighbor's sidewalk. Where here we have those opportunities to uh, shovel the neighbor's sidewalk or throw in the newspaper to the door or take the garbage can in or cook something for somebody. So my, my experiences in Hawaii 
Well, there's tons of things to volunteer for, absolutely. And uh, as as a lifetime union member, I always took opportunities to um, volunteer for all campaigns, and I'm not even picking a side here, just any campaign that was out there. It was a wonderful experience to wave signs and wear T-shirts and be out campaigning for people who were running for office because it is brave to run for office. That's another experience I've had. And to put your name out there on the ballot and run for office, it's not for cowards. It's some experience I wish everyone would encounter in their life and take advantage of. No question about it. I, I think that, and I've uh, talked to several other people who have become politicians, and I like the term statesman. I think that uh, people that get into politics and have uh, a number of good reasons for getting into it also realize that there comes a time when they've done what they can, and it's a time to let somebody else pick up where they left off. And unfortunately, I think the same is true of volunteerism. I think, as we've spoken in the past, uh, it, it is difficult to have enough volunteers for almost anything that you're asking for volunteers for. It, has that been your experience? It, it has to an extent, but I will tell you this. I worked in a crisis center, and that was... Um, that was the volunteer recruitment was continuous there. One of my volunteer jobs now is working at Brightside, and I'm in the bottle and can room, which is adjacent to the store in the big barn out there. And that, the, the, it's, we're, we have a difficult time keeping volunteers there. The store also needs volunteers all the time, but then if you go out to the shelter out on Hemlock by 17th there, they... They pretty much have an ongoing and very, very active volunteer base. So um, I think that where you burn out is uh, when you have few volunteers and you expect them to do more than they are willing to do or capable of doing. So to keep your recruitment, I mean, that's an ongoing activity to keep a recruitment, and that's where I think you do need a paid person to make sure your recruitment or your volunteers or your, or your income base to support your, your projects is ongoing. Yeah, it's not unlike this station. It's the same thing. Uh, I, I, I think that our number of volunteers is well over 100, and there's only been, at least in my recollection, only two and a half paid uh people here at kpov so you know i think we all here at kpov have a a real significant feel for people who volunteer Uh, i also would like you to talk about the idea uh, you don't get thrown into this cold usually there's some level of orientation oh yeah it's not baptism by fire usually but um I also volunteer at Oregon State University with the Extension Office, and they have a pretty intense training there. Uh, and I've been with them since about 2013 or 14, and that's for the Nutrition Education Program, where they're, they're constant, ongoing. Uh, we've had a, a pretty much uh, not much activity for the past COVID during the COVID period, but uh, otherwise we were meeting every month. We were in the food banks. You know, it was constant, and you are always uh, getting new knowledge and new information to pass on. So, no, we just didn't go in there cold. Now, over at Bottles and Cans, that's a little more, uh, um, that's not a really organized training, but it's not too hard to figure out what's worth 10 cents. 
and it's a, it's a dirty, filthy job, and it's labor-intensive, so maybe that's why people just aren't appealing, or it's not appealing to folks, but I've been there for about five years. Yeah. Well, it's it, convenient for me, though. That's another thing. It's convenient to volunteer for me, over there especially. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think, once again, I think it gives you an outlet and a chance to, to talk to a lot of different people, and I think that this is really important, uh, especially as we become more mature in life we like to share our past experiences and the things that have shaped who we are oh not only that but it's lo- I, if everyone has a story and to listen to everyone's story I, I, I it doesn't matter who it is it's like well that is an interesting story i love to hear people's stories and uh go, going out into the public with people that i might not ever even associate with in my life i get to hear their story and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's sad that that it, it seems like in a lot of cases in the regular workaday world, we really don't get to know a lot about a lot of people unless we work with them on an ongoing basis. And I do think that volunteers open up much quicker than, than the average person. Oh, I, I agree because, you know, we, sh- we share, first of all, we, we just share our our generosity for one thing and there's no price on generosity i think your introduction kind of addressed that somewhat there's a, there's no price for it so uh and, and time you know time and talent in our treasures those are our gifts that we can put out and share and it like i said it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time or talent or money it's just the fact that and doing anything makes a, a difference yeah i i couldn't agree more fully you know, Mary, uh, would you mind giving us a little bit of your historical background and, and possibly what led you to feel this way? Well, I came from a large family, and my parents were very generous. And one thing that we had plenty of was food. <laughs> and it was because we had a huge garden, and we had chickens, and we had goats, and we had fresh food. And my parents were very generous with that, and that's pretty much what we had to give was food. And you can go anywhere in the world, and I know you won't disagree with this, Steve. Everyone eats, and we all have music. And my father played the harmonica, and my mother sang, I thought, well, but uh, her kindergarten report card said she couldn't carry a tune. <laughs> but, I, uh, you know, they were generous with, with the gifts that they had, even though they, they were probably limited. Well, they were limited, you know. Well, there was a, we had a big family, so there was, who knew was going to be at the table? There was just always room for more. And I was in 4-H when I was young, and I just always felt that it was uh, uh, a—it's in my DNA. It's just from from my parents' generosity and from growing up in a rural area where you, you did a lot more bartering than you did for purchasing. You know, people shared their crops. Um, 4-H was just a, a, just a huge outlet for me because that was like really structured, and uh, you uh, you had a opportunity to sew. That's what I did. I sewed. My mother canned a lot of food, and 4-H does that also. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I think you're going to have uh, a big impact at OHSU. That's uh, that's really going to be important going forward. I know that we're going to start carrying programs from OHSU uh, about 4-H and a lot of other things that I, I hope that people will get involved with, and especially after they've heard your story, and I hope a lot of people get a chance to hear your story. Where did a lot of this take place? What state? 
Uh, well, it was in Michigan, and then I was in Hawaii for decades, and now I'm here. And um, oh, uh, one thing that I've done, well, I, I can't do it anymore because of health reasons, but get, donating blood, and you can do that pretty much anywhere. And at 17, I, I think with your parents' signature, but 18 for sure, you can donate blood. And to me, of all the things I've done in my life, that was the most heroic because not everyone can do that, first of all. And when you do donate blood, you learn a lot about yourself, especially if there's something that your doctors would never look for or you find out you have small red blood cells or you find out what type of blood you have. It's just a ton of information for you also. And it's just a really wonderful thing to if just donate blood. You yeah. can give a pint every six, eight weeks. Yeah, and I, I think it does a lot to... Uh, in reinforce trust within our our medical system. Uh, I think a lot of the people that I've the the times that I've donated blood, I see a lot of the same faces year after year. Oh, you do. I think that I saw matchups at the blood bank, and I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a few minutes to think about things. That's for sure, and you get a, an opportunity to talk to the technician that's taking your blood. And I think that all helps out with the whole experience. So, oh yeah, you're sitting there saying, "Oh, what type are you?" And then you're, you know, pretty soon they're dating. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think there's worse places to meet people. That's for sure. <laughs> That, that is that is so true. And if you know anybody who's ever needed blood, you know how hard it is or what you have to do to get them to have blood donated or pay for it, which is not free. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think part of my experience about living in Hawaii is my wife's son and his wife lived there. And they, they got under, you know, financial hardship and she had to donate blood. And uh, it it was it's been an important lesson for all of us. Oh yeah, people need blood. It's not something they can manufacture, and I don't suspect they. I'm sure they're working on it, but I really don't suspect it will ever be a very uh, great substitute for human blood. Yeah. Well, you know, and and to kind of round out this conversation, you know, uh, do you see any drawbacks in becoming a volunteer? Oh, absolutely not. Not for me anyway. I'm retired also, so I have a lot of time, but I do have a busy life. It's not like I just volunteer and do nothing else. Um, So uh, uh, I think the opportunity is that you have a schedule that you can set for yourself in most, well, bottles and cans is very flexible. The other places, uh, you know, when the cold weather shelter here that Shepherd's House runs in Redmond, that is according to a schedule. You know, you can't go in there 24 hours. But and, and OSU has a schedule. But the opportunities in a lot of places are very flexible. So it's not a, a very strict at rule, and you can volunteer when you want to most of the time. So there's no drawbacks for me, I would say that. Yeah. Well, and I also, you know, because when I met you, it gave us a chance to kind of compare our political viewpoints. And I, I, I told you at the outset we wouldn't talk too much about politics, but I do think that uh, what we do and the politics we choose have a lot to do with who we eventually become. Oh, I think you're absolutely right about that, Steve, and, and something else, too, and, and we're not going to talk about politics, but, it, you know, this country doesn't run by, it doesn't run well just because somebody wants to be your boss. You, We really need to have input into how 
our society functions. And it's very important that if you do nothing else and you don't want to volunteer anywhere, you could still email your local legislatures, the Congress. You can email anyone now. It's very convenient to do that. And you can write them a letter and you can call them. They all have 800 numbers. And express that you have these concerns or you want some help or you know, maybe, hey, you're doing a good job. I appreciate that. Uh, so I think it's very important to at least do that. And, and, and in some ways, it is volunteering that you have your opinion and it's known or, you know, based on some facts, hopefully, of what what makes the society function for everyone. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, I think as a volunteer, you get to see all this stuff happen right at where it's occurring. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, there was an article. I do get the newspaper, which I know a lot of people do not, but I, I do get the newspaper. And there was a, and Redmond uh, Counselor Fitch had wrote an article. Well, he wrote an editor, a letter to the editor, and it was about put input from the local people here in the in the plans for this city, because the, the, the council itself is not really open to having the public make comments on this. And he, he put in the paper that in his in a t- editorial page on the little letters to write to him and he'll make sure the council gets that. So he's out here advocating for us. And I would hope that all our representatives would be advocating for the good of all humankind and not just a select few. Yeah. Well, and I think as things have become uh, a little bit more difficult to deal with. I, I'm hopeful that a lot of people will tune in and watch city council meetings, both in Bend and Redmond, because it's it's oh, one yeah. way we actually get to see what's going on. Absolutely, and it's so easy, too. And even for myself, who is not a very technical person, I mean, we're on the phone speaking as, as this is conversation, and I don't own a television, but I do have the Internet, and you can watch, the, anyone can watch the council meetings. It's very entertaining sometimes, and it's always educational. Yeah, I have to say, and I'll admit to my negligence, I really didn't get that involved, and I'm afraid that a lot of people don't get that involved because it it doesn't seem to be within their wheelhouse as long as everything's going okay in our neighborhood we're fine with it but overall it's very important to look at those things oh yeah you know it's like it's like your own household or your own your own relationships when everything is going well you think okay you're not going to put too much effort into it but the minute you stop putting effort into it it's not going to go well so it's it's a continuous maintenance Good. that has to be pursued to keep the things functioning smoothly. Mary, I want to thank you for your time on this interview. I hope that everybody got a chance to hear you because I think what you had to say was really important. Thank you. I appreciate that, Steve. And I really am grateful that you uh, thought of interviewing me. I I feel uh, grateful. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks again, Mary. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. See you soon, Steve. Aloha. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.